nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scoured the globe of top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So, 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 welcome to the Matter Over Mind Experience. This is your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And of course, you know, on this show, I bring on fantastic people. And today I have none other than Melissa Lane coming to us all the way from South Africa. Melissa is a health coach and host of the fantastic podcast, The Life Craft Podcast. Now, she primarily helps women live holistically healthy lives and repair their relationship with food without dieting. Say it again without dieting, meaning don't just cut your calories and just try to hate your life and think you're going to get healthy. That's not how this thing works, right? But we're going to get into that. And of course, you know, with the rebranding, every episode at the end, I have another hack for you so you can improve that matter. So you become healthier, so you can also work on your mind. And then this episode, she's going to break down steps to heal our relationships with food. So stick around for that. And with that being said, let's welcome Melissa to the show. Hey, Melissa, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me on. I'm very excited about this conversation. So am I. So am I. We already had our pre-conversation, so we're just going to roll right into this puppy. So tell my audience about yourself and tell us about your work. Well, I'm Melissa Lane. I'm an integrative nutrition health coach, and I live in South Africa on a beautiful farm. I've been very fortunate to be able to be surrounded by nature on my own healing journey. And I went through a little quarter life crisis one day and decided the life that I was living was not making me happy. I wasn't fulfilled and that I wanted to do something new with my life. And I took off for a while and just took time to discover myself. And then I realized that one thing that always stuck with me was my passion for health and wellness. And my passion for health and wellness grew out of my own struggles, not only with illness as a child and with food sensitivities and all of those things um, that I'm sure we'll get into later, but also with my whole journey in diet culture, disordered eating, and my terrible relationship with food. And I started healing that relationship with food. And I started realizing that there's such power when it comes to understanding food, understanding your body, and understanding the dangers of diet culture in society right at this moment still, can you believe it, in 2022. Um, And so I was fortunate enough to have a coach that suggested, why not become a health coach? Why not share the passion you have and put knowledge behind it? And that's how I started. And I absolutely love helping women, helping people in the community just break through all of the barriers that diet culture has set up to really find true health 
and true wellness in a holistic way. I love the fact that you have the experience. That's always a key thing is that you started off with your own struggles. Like I started off my own struggles as well. And then you've taken that and you you start you you mold that into something where you can use to help others. That's fantastic because that's what we miss a lot. You know, we we oftentimes think and for example, if someone's been fit and healthy all their lives, they think, let me just get a certification. Let me just work with some clients and stuff. Not saying anything wrong with that. If that's your passion, they've been wonderful coaches, doctors, and healers that's never had any health issues. I'm not saying that's not the case. But oftentimes, when you work with someone who's experienced it and work through it, it's, uh, it's usually a different experience. So that's, that's really, really powerful. So thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for sharing how you end up being motivating and getting into the space. Now, my follow-up to that then is, what work do you do as a health coach? As a health coach, I help people integrate all aspects of themselves to create a healthy life. I always say I love helping people have a bigger experience of life. So we always think that health might just be the food on your plate or just the exercise that you do. But we know by now that health is a holistic thing. It's a mind, body, spirit experience. And your health gets affected by the relationships in your life, your environment, your career, even something as simple as the amount of joy in your life and how much creativity you express on a daily basis will affect your health. I think we've all seen people who are, they are the typical image of health, whatever that is in your mind that comes up in your mind right now, that person that has perfect health. And then you might hear in 10 years time when they're only 30 or 40, they'll be diagnosed with cancer or they'll die of a heart attack. And I've always been fascinated by that because I was a child that grew up really sickly. I had everything from IBS to asthma to, to food allergies. I had 39 food allergies. I couldn't eat anything anytime when I was a kid. And I used to have a skin disease and I went through all of these things and I started realizing that I was doing everything right, quote unquote. I was living a healthy life as much as I knew how to, but my health was still lacking. And that took me on a journey of discovering that what was going on inside me, my relationship with myself, the trauma that I was carrying, the, the dysregulation in my nervous system, the unforgiveness in my system, the career that I absolutely could not stand doing the toxic relationships in my life, the lack of communication, all of these things played a big role. And when I started healing more than just the food on my plate and the amount of exercise I did in the day, I started experiencing true health, more clarity of mind, more strength, getting up with energy, having like a vitality for life. And then I started realizing that a lot of the physical ailments I had started becoming less. So it was really a holistic approach that I that I took. And that's what I help women with as well. I want them to see that it might not just be the food on your plate and it might not just be the amount of exercise you do. There might be something holding you back. There might be a dysregulation in your nervous system. There might be old trauma that you're carrying with. You might be really unhappy in your relationship and that's causing you to experience dis-ease in your life and that can be healed. And it's quite an amazing journey. I've always been so honored to be a part of that. People are going to get tired of me saying this, but, you know, especially with the re rebranding being new, but you just explained the matter over mind experience. And that's why experience is key in the word. That's why I made sure I put that in the name. 
the matter over mind experience because the mind is a powerful tool. And I say the mind, I don't, I'm not talking about the brain, by the way. Okay. I'm not talking about the brain. So the brain is part of the matter. The physical aspect is extremely important because as you said, if you have hormone imbalances or hormone dysregulation, or if you're not sleeping well, or you don't have enough energy, if it is, there's so many things that goes into taking care of that physical body. Once you take care of the physical aspect, your mind gets clearer. Your thoughts are clearer. Things flow so much better in your life. You're a happier person. But you have to you have to take care of this physical piece first. My buddy and I, uh, Scott Gazzoli, who has a fantastic podcast, Causing the Effect, he and I had a discussion the other day about this. And he lost, I think he's about 50 pounds. And he said in the beginning, it was rough. But as he started to get healthier and he started, he started to feel better, he wanted to go to the gym more. He want, and then when he started optimizing, he started working on the mental health. And he starts to realize, why well, I need to get some energy-draining vampires out of my life or at least spend less time around them. I need to focus on things that actually help me. I need to be around people who push me to that next level, right? But if you're stuck in in this regulation in the physical aspect it's it's kind of like tr- seeing the tr- you had a forest and all you see are trees you can't see the other side right because you're stuck in all the things that are going on in your physical body so my want you my audience to experience what i experience and that's the mind over i'm sorry the, i said that wrong the matter over mind experience i also got my own logo wrong right the matter over mind experience because i want you to experience and feel where Melissa and I and the wonderful coaches in the world are. So thank you so much for that. Absolutely. And just to echo what you said, I know as you were telling that story, I was thinking about my own life. And I realized that there were so many times that I had to really take a look at where I was um, physically and mentally. And I had to say, which which one would be easier for me to look at now? There is growth that is needed. There is change that is needed. How, how scary it can be. I mean, change is always scary. But there might be a change that's needed in my life to experience um, more clarity, to have more energy, to maybe just make a move and actually pursue the career that I want to have, whatever it is. If your physical body is lacking, even if your mind is really strong, it's going to have an effect on you because every single decision you make is going to be made with this physical body. So I want you to imagine that your mind is like outside of your body and that your body is actually living inside of your mind. So yes, every thought you think has an effect on your mind, but your mind, uh, but your body, oh, no, sorry, can I just repeat that? Everything that you experience has an effect on your body, but what your body is going through also has an effect on your mind. And the food you eat and the way you move and the way you breathe and the way that your nervous system is regulated and your hormones are flowing and your DNA is firing and wiring, that will have an effect on what thoughts you think, on the way you feel, on the decisions you make in life. And you can't take that away. So it's so powerful what you're sharing in this podcast. We can't just kind of push aside our bodies and say, I'm just going to use my mind. I'm just going to power through. I'm just going to use willpower. It'll only get you that far. But your body is this amazing mechanism. And if you take care of it, you can tap into these 
unknown resources that we have that we're only experiencing now and it'll just change your life and that will keep you motivated and that will give you what we so want to get from something like willpower um, you don't need that when your body is firing and wiring and happy and vital and alive right and you can work on them together it's not like you have to work on them yeah. separately but you, you can work on them together just a matter of how you do it and sometimes you have to work on one to get to the point that you can work on the other, right? Because it depends on where you are in your journey. So again, thank you so much. And with that being said, talking about the mind, talking about the body, we're going to talk about food addictions because that impacts both, right? So what tends to cause food addictions? That's a really big question. And I just want to say it's very nuanced and it's very complex because it's absolutely individual. Um, so I, I believe that by individuality is key. And what we experience in our health is just like as individual as what we experience in our life. From our childhood and everything that happened there to even before you were born, what happened in the womb, the DNA that you got, the trauma you went through in the womb, those types of things play a big role in how you perceive life as well as the experience that's going on in your body. So if you understand that, you'll know that if it comes to something like food addiction, for some people, it might be a more spiritual aspect. Some people, it might be a more mental aspect. And for some, it might be a physical addiction to the food. And you can't deny either of those. So there is a huge aspect when it comes to food addiction. And I see it a lot with something like sugar addiction. Sugar addiction is a big one. That might be like the whole food addiction. But sugar is this gnarly thing that we, we might turn to for comfort because we need it emotionally, right? But it ends up putting us in this loop where our mitochondria and our microbiome and our cells in our body is physically addicted to it. So that just cuts off your mind from that whole process because your body has taken over. That's where a lot of meditative practices come in to help. But it really does come down to the individual. And you need to take a look at all three aspects, I think, because it's not always easy to spot in the beginning. So you need to know where are you might, where might you be looking for an emotional comfort from food? And that led you down the path of eating foods, like a lot of processed foods that have that trifecta of high fat, high sugar gluten, all of those things that are really addictive to the body. So now your body has just taken over and your body's just like, I need this. So you can't stop eating it. And your body will communicate that to you and it'll make you feel certain ways. And you might just think, oh, I lack willpower. Oh my goodness, I'm addicted to this. Meanwhile, your cells are addicted to the chemicals, to the amount of sugar, to the trifecta of the fat and the, the high fat, high protein, high sugar, that whole little mess that we get in a lot of the foods that are so highly processed. Then next up, what I see with a lot of people when it comes to food addiction is the lack of a holistically healthy life. They really lack the inability to deal with big emotions. That's the best way I can put it so that everyone can understand. As kids, we grow up a lot of us in households where we weren't taught what to do when we physically in our body experience big emotions. And every single one of us experiences emotions in our body. 
And if you think about it, you'll notice that whether it's sadness or anger or frustration or fear or joy or excitement, you'll feel it in your body. You'll feel it in your heart rate. You'll feel how you breathe. You'll feel it in your nervous system. You might get a tremor in your body. You might start moving. You might pull your face in a certain way. That is all clues that whatever big emotion you're experiencing is in your body. So what happens a lot is we don't get taught as kids what to do with these big emotions, this big amount of energy that's in our body. And we get distracted. That's what our parents might have done. They might have said, no, 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 don't cry. Here's a here's a treat for you. Or no, 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 don't cry. Let's go play. Or no, don't cry. Your brother is looking at you. He's going to make fun of you. And we start learning these coping mechanisms. If I feel bad, let me go get a cookie. If I'm feeling this big emotion like fear or anger or frustration or any of that, let me just take my mind off of it and go work or go play. And my play might be as an adult drinking with my friends, going out and partying. And we're still those little kids trying to cope with these big emotions, and we call it food addiction. So you need to look not only at the food part and the absolute like gnarly things that they can put in food that will definitely get you addicted, something like processed sugar that will just get your body into a state where your body will crave it like it does a cigarette. But you need to look at maybe you're trying to escape from big emotions because you just never learned how to deal with them. Maybe it's more nuanced than just the food on your plate. Maybe there's some healing to do with yourself. Maybe you're full of shame and guilt, like a lot of people in other addictions like alcohol and drug addiction and sex addiction go through. Maybe you lack a spiritual connection, like a lot of people do when it comes to alcohol, drugs, sex addiction, and all of those things. You're okay to be a nuanced, complex human being. And you can look at all of those aspects in a really kind way and say, where did I try my best to cope? And my coping mechanism might have been food. Where did I try my best to just get through the day? And I ended up eating things that didn't serve me in the way that they could have. And that's okay. And you can take the time to do it. And it doesn't have to be a three-month, six-month journey. You can take longer than that if you want. And really look at all of those parts and heal them individually. And that helps so much when it comes to food addiction. To just take away the guilt and see that you were just trying your best. You were just trying to deal with these big emotions and this crazy world that we live in. And that's okay. And here you are. And you're still standing. You just gave me a lot to unpack there. Um, that was. A fantastic take. So thank you so much. Because you're you're definitely on point with a lot of what you just said. And I like the fact that you explain for one from childhood, because that's where we we really learn it. Right. It's like, you know, we we try to find a way to appease ourselves. Am I having a bad day? Well, for example, the comfort food that people eat, right, is usually what they remember from a kid, what they went to when they had when they cried or when they had a bad day. For me, that was honey buns. I always went to honey buns. That was my thing. I had a bad day, give him my honey buns and my Mountain Dew and get out of my way. And that was my <laughs> thing, right? Now, the, the, the matter comes in and that in, um, in this discussion as you're talking because you then become physically addicted to these things, right? Because your body actually has bacteria that craves these processed and sugary foods. We have bacteria that craves McDonald's. So that's why for me, I don't like McDonald's. I don't like fast food. 
I make my own fries, right? Yeah. Now, someone who's eaten fast food all their lives, I can't tell them to just stop eating fast food because physically they have bacteria inside them telling them to eat the fast food, telling them they need the sugar. You know, of course, we know that in, in the U.S., I don't know what it is in South Africa, but in the U.S., we put sugar in our, in our, in our fries. Mm-hmm. We put dextrose in our fries, right, to add to that addiction factor. Where if you go to England, yeah. for example, it is oil, salt, and potatoes. Not saying that it's healthy, but it's a lot better than the crap that we have that we have over here, right? So those things to consider. So we so the, the fast food industry knows this. So they feed us the crap to keep us addicted to it, right? And it, and we just keep going back for that dollar menu, dollar menu, dollar menu, dollar menu, dollar menu, and this becomes a cascade. But when you look at it and you start to make the individual changes as you're talking about, understand it's okay to mess up. I still mess up today. Contrary to proper belief, and I'm not perfect, right? So, you know, I still mess up every single day, but I get back on the horse and I keep moving and I keep pedaling and I keep making adjustments. So, we and have it's, to- as you said, your body literally craves different things. And that's just something like if you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, Lord, Melissa, I would love to just get to that point where I'm not addicted to this food or where I don't crave McDonald's every day or where I'm not just thinking about fries two o'clock in the evening because I didn't have them because I was on some stupid diet. I want you to know that as you add in more healthy, fresh, or like whatever your body would need. It's absolutely bio-individual. So don't just go for a certain diet. There are certain things that your body needs and you need to take the time. Take your health into your own hands. Learn what that is. Get a coach, get a nutritionist, get a dietitian, get someone to help you really figure out what your body needs and what your body might be lacking in minerals and vitamins and all of those things. Start adding it in. Don't just pull away from all of the fast food and all of the things that your body's been used to. Add in the good things first, and you'll see that you'll get to a tipping point where you'll start adding in more of the quote-unquote good things, the things that are good for your body, because there's no good or bad foods. There are things that are good for your body and that'll help your body feel the way you want to feel, and foods that won't. They just won't. And what works for one person might not work for the other. So I want you to understand what I'm saying in regards to that, but just start adding in more of the things that you know your body needs that'll make it feel the way you want to feel. And you'll see that your cravings will change. Your body will start to want more of the food that is nutrient dense and that it can use to make you feel amazing. One of the quickest way I think to reach your goals and dreams is to give your body the nutrients it needs to help you. And a lot of people forget that. They always say like my, the, my, my, my nutrition and, and the way I eat goes onto the back burner when I want to achieve these big goals and dreams. But you need to actually use the like the help in your body when your body is just on fire and it's vital and alive and it's clear minded and all of those things. You can reach your goals and dreams quicker. You can get over your food addiction easier. You can deal with those big emotions in a stronger way. So help your body help you. That's kind of what I want to get to. And you'll see that if you just add in those small things on a daily, weekly basis, your body will start to crave different things. It's I think about it. So I think about it like a tug of war, right? We have the good bacteria and the bad bacteria and they're tugging, right? 
If you feed the bad bacteria, it's going to get stronger. They're going to grow. You feed the good, they're going to get stronger. They are going to grow, right? So yeah. which, which, which side of the spectrum want to be on? You have to feed that. And that's exactly what you're talking about is feeding the good stuff in your body. So they, it fosters them to grow. So just something mm. small, like limiting some of the sugars that you eat, but not focusing yeah. on calories, limiting some of the sugars, but you know what? Adding in some healthy fruit and vegetables, something just small like that. You over like a couple of weeks, you start to feel a difference already. Just something tiny that, oh, you may think is tiny because now you're feeding the good bacteria and they're getting stronger and now they're pulling and you start to feel better. And then, then as that happens, you start to want to make more changes because the feeling is there, right? So thank you so much for that, uh, for that wonderful clarification. Now, continuing with talking about food addictions, let's talk about this wonderful diet culture that we have, right? So how does diet culture connect to food addictions some might even say they cause it yeah you you might even say that because diet culture for those of you who don't know what diet culture is i did an episode on my on my podcast about that as well um I'll, I'll send it to you you can link it below just to get into the nuanced details of it but diet culture is anything that focuses on your size your weight and your shape over your overall health so that's more important that your, than your overall health. Now, diet culture has got its little fingers in the fashion industry and in the beauty industry and in the fitness industry and in all of these things. And that's why they call it a culture. It's something that we prescribe to. It's not a fact. It's not a reality. It's something that we as human beings prescribe to and that there are certain rules that you fall under. So I started realizing that my clients know that an apple is a better choice than say a chocolate bar, but something in them would rather go <laughs> for the chocolate bar than the apple. And it's got to do with a lot more than just the cravings and the physical sensation that they get from the chocolate. It's got something to do with the way that they're thinking. It's got something to do with the, the freedom that they feel in eating whatever they want, in taking back their power and taking back control and saying, you know what, screw that. I don't want to be a size zero, zero. I just want the chocolate bar. I just want to be able to live my life. And I started going through a lot of the conversations that I had with them. And I was like, what is this ugly thing like creeping out? Women are struggling with binge eating. They're struggling with sugar addiction. They're struggling with food addiction. They're struggling with body image and shaming themselves. And their inner voice is, is so harsh and they won't even allow themselves just a little bit of pleasure. They always restrict themselves. They're always hard on themselves. They can't just look in the mirror and say, well, I love that. And you're allowed to change and you're going to change with the years and none of that. And I started studying and the thing that I got to was diet culture. Diet culture seeped into my entire way of thinking about health. And that is why I struggled with a really terrible relationship with food as well as disordered eating and some, some more triggering dis like eating disorders, which I'm not going to mention now. Um, for years. And I realized it's because of all of these subtle, nuanced messages that I was getting from the well-meaning adults in my life who grew up in it as well, from society at large, from the food industry, the beauty industry, the fitness industry. I got all of these messages that you need to restrict, that your health is tied to your weight and your size and your shape. 
that everything about you just boils down to those three things, whether it be success, whether it be getting a marriage partner, whether it be being healthy, looking healthy, all of these things. And as I did the research, diet culture just popped up. And I started seeing that we are trying to break loose of it. But for anyone that's also millennial, you know, like we we got the brunt of it. Like if you are in like in your 30s, you know, like from Britney Spears to Nicole um, Richie that was so, so thin and Victoria Beckham being measured, like weighed on stage and all of these things were just programmed into us to say, you have to be small. You have to restrict. You have to use willpower. You have to be the smallest that you can for such a long time. And that was the diet culture of that age. It seeped into every decision we make. Wow. So what I see in my clients' lives is they'll be small in every way. They'll restrict themselves from having pleasure in every way. They'll restrict themselves from freedom. They won't trust their intuition anymore because your intuition is always tied to your body. Your body is your intuition. Your body will say, don't go there. That person's not safe. I think you should talk to that person. I don't want to be here anymore. I think I'm tired. I want to go rest. Subtle things that your body tells you. Diet culture will make you just cut it off and say, you know what? I'm just going to cut off all of my feelings. I'm just going to be the smallest I can be. I'm going to restrict myself as much as I can. And I'm just going to power through life and no pleasure will be mine. And freedom is something of the past. And I saw it play out in every aspect of not only my life, but my clients' lives. So when we started looking at how diet culture actually seeped into their relationships, into the way that they eat, into the way that they move their bodies, getting out of that mindset that exercise is just in the gym, but actually moving your body in fun ways throughout the day, that's so much healthier for you in general. Just breaking out of all of those boxes and even getting down to things like money, how you spend money, how you allow money to come in, how you restrict money in your life. It all comes down to this mindset of being small, playing small, and just following the trend, giving over your power to whatever society deems fit at the moment. That's crap to be quite honest. I've got a stronger word, but let's just stick with crap. You have the sovereign right to be who you were born to be. And that means you have to go on a journey of self-discovery. And that might be a size bigger or smaller than what diet culture says is right. That might mean weighing five kgs, I'm from South Africa, so kilograms, or five kilograms more or less than what you were taught was your ideal weight. That means going through life and allowing your body to change as you change, as your lifestyle changes, as you age. That's okay. So diet culture is so nuanced. And when you just break out of that culture, break out of that thought paradigm, it opens up a whole new world of health for you. You can really discover what true health is. You can get to know food. You can enjoy food. You can say no to foods that you don't want. And it's got nothing to do with restriction. It's got to do with what serves you or not. You can move your body in amazing ways. And it doesn't just have to be an hour at the gym. You can dance. You can play with your dogs. You can run around with your kids. You can go on a hike. You can get out into nature. You can rest if you need to. Because you can allow your body to just be 
in that moment what it is. It might be aging, it might be in its prime, it might be a little bit heavier than what you are used to, it might be a little smaller than what feels good to you. But you can start tapping into that intuition and it'll help you and it'll guide you to the best choices for you. And that's power. That's taking your health into your own hands, your mind into your own hands, and then your life in general into your own hands. Wow. You know, um, what you say? Uh, go big or go home. That, that, that's, how, that's, that, that's how... Um, <laughs> Or sometimes I'm home and I'm still big. That's just how I, that's just how I roll. But, you know, I was thinking of a title while you're talking and it's like, like skinny and miserable or something like that, because I've actually had people, um, women actually tell me that they said that they've been, they've been points of life where they're the slimmest they've ever been or the skinniest they've ever been, but they were absolutely miserable. And yeah. because they were focused on the restriction aspect, right? Just losing a bunch of weight. They were probably mineral deficient. All right. Mm-hmm. They, um, they weren't getting enough of the macros and the food that their body needs. They probably had hormonal issues because they weren't eating enough or eating as often. Their neurotransmitters weren't firing as well. All these things that you talk about. Right. So being skinny and miserable is a real thing. People is a real thing yeah. is a real thing. So and the back culture to- celebrates it. The yes. culture celebrates it as if it's noble, as if that's discipline, as if you are better than exactly. the woman around you. They might weigh more. They might have a little bit of rolls on them or whatever. And I know because that was me. I was so insecure that I used the shape, size, and weight of my body to feel superior or inferior. And it's something we really need to look at because I know it's it it creeps in with everyone. Like it's not just a male-female thing. This is like a human being thing. Mm -hmm. We use our size and weight and shape of our body to feel inferior or superior to people around us. And it's toxic and it's diet culture. And that is the last thing that we should use as a measure of being a quote unquote, good human being. The last thing. The last thing. I mean, the last thing. So if I called you out, go and explore that. Where does that come from? It usually stems from a deep insecurity. And it might come from a parent that was really critical of you, that was really insecure themselves and wanted you to not maybe experience any hardships in life and never go through anything bad. And so they try to protect you and they try to have you be perfect. And now that's your inner voice. And it might be an abusive parent that might have neglected you emotionally. So you don't know how to deal with the feeling of inferiority and you try and exert that in that way. But I know at my skinniest, my hair started falling out. My hair was a lot thinner. I barely had any nails. They would just not grow. And my skin was a mess. My gut was a mess. I had asthma. I had food allergies. I would wake up tired. And I would be miserable and my mood was affected by how my body felt. Absolutely. So it's such a freeing experience when you break out of that paradigm, as I said, of diet culture, and you take your health into your own hands and you start experiencing health, not just the size, weight and shape of your body. Skinny and miserable. I'm going to find some way to, to, to patent that somehow. <laughs> but So this is, this is the hack. This is the question. This is what everybody's here for. So every, stay tuned, perk your ears up, and listen to this answer, right? What are the steps to heal 
our relationships with food? Mm. Nuanced question is, as always, but I definitely have certain things and you can do them in any order. I want to say that you've got to do some self-psychology. You've got to get to know yourself a little bit, especially when it comes to your relationship with food. Your relationship with food is always tied to your relationship with you. Everything in life is relationship. So I want you to look at your relationship with yourself and yourself with the with a with a capital Y. If your relationship with yourself is a little gnarly, filled with guilt, filled with shame, filled with self-criticism, filled with self-hatred, all of those things, your relationship with food will reflect that. It'll be a little mirror for you. You'll restrict in more areas. You'll criticize yourself when it comes to food. You'll deny yourself pleasure and food can be pleasurable. Can you believe that? Food can be so pleasurable. You can enjoy food. I love food. You're allowed to do that. And you'll see that reflected in your body as well. So I want you to firstly take a moment and say, How's my relationship with myself? Because I know that people listening right now, the first thought they had was, I hate myself. I don't like myself. Melissa, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's been done to me. How can I like this person? How can I like that person looking back in the mirror at me? But I know out of my own experience, and I'm getting very emotional, and I didn't want to. If you're not okay with a person looking back at you in the mirror, you won't be able to heal the other areas of your life. That's where true healing starts. That's where true healing starts. And you're worth it. You're worth it and it's possible. So whatever that looks like for you, getting a coach, forgiving, getting a therapist, maybe just spending less time looking at other people's lives on a screen, Maybe going to talk to that person and asking for their forgiveness. Maybe living for other people when you're feeling helpless, help someone. Whatever your healing process is, always include your relationship with yourself first. Then when it comes to healing your relationship with food, I urge you to learn about food. Get really curious about food. Learn about the nuanced things like the food companies that actually put like these additives in that'll make you addicted to food. Meanwhile, you think you lack willpower, but they're setting you up to fail. Learn about food that the human body just thrives on. Learn how to give yourself some more of that. Maybe save up if you need to and go see a functional medicine doctor and have your blood tested and really learn about what do you need? What are those things in your physical body that are lacking? and make food neutral. There's no good or bad food. It's food that's going to serve your body right at this moment and food that may not. And break out of the idea that the food that you ate when you were eight or nine or 10 is the food that you have to eat when you're 30 or 40 or 50. It's going to change. Your body might need certain things that it didn't need at that age. Be adaptable. Learn about food, get inquisitive about food, where it comes from, what it's made of, what works with your body, what doesn't. Thirdly, get in touch with your body. Food is a physical experience. You can't heal your relationship with food if you're not in tune with your body. So you need to have a practice like something like breath work. 
something like um, meditation. If meditation is really tough, go and sit outside with as much of your body on a piece of grass as you can and just sit there. Just sit. Have the sun shine on you a little bit. Listen to the birds. If there are cars going by, listen to the freaking cars. Just be in the present moment. That's where your body is. And a little trick that I always teach my clients, and this is like the, the best thing you can do. Another thing that you can do, if you need to go wee, go wee. That is such an easy way to just get in touch with your body again, to just not deny yourself of something as simple as that. And so many of us do. We might be thirsty. We don't drink water. We think, no, we'll wait. We might be really hungry and we'll say, oh, I'll just have another sip of water or another cup of coffee. That's not food. Getting in touch with your body and getting in tune with the nuanced little expressions that your body gives you is as simple as that. And then later you can build onto the other things. And then I always, always stick to this one. If you want to do yourself a humongous favor when it comes to your relationship with food, Learn about your nervous system. Learn about the dysregulated and the regulated nervous system. Learn how to get out of survival mode. Learn how to tap back into being in a state of ease and grace and flow. And that's going to make such a big difference when it comes to the type of food you choose. So I'm just going to go over that again. Heal your relationship with you whatever you've been through, whoever you are at this moment, you're so much more than the person staring back at you in the mirror and your story. You have a right to go through life loving who you see. And if you can't love her or him or they, you can absolutely just accept them for who they are. Secondly, learn about food. Get curious about food. The more you know about food, the more you'll want to give your body food that's going to just bring out the best in it. Take time to take like just a little bit of time every day to learn about food. Next up, get in tune with your body with whatever way you can. Grounding exercises, breath work exercises, meditation, just going to go wee, having that glass of water if you need to have it, eating when you are actually hungry and stopping when you're full. Just small things like that will start getting your body to bring you some bigger signals that will really improve your relationship with food. And then lastly, I want you to really look at regulating your nervous system feeling safe in your body, feeling safe in this world, you'll see that the choices you make when it comes to the food you eat will be completely different if your nervous system is regulated and if you feel safe. Thank you. So that's a hack within a hack within a hack. So thank you so much. That was so well detailed. And then you summarize it at the end. So that was fantastic. Thank you so much. The Life Craft Podcast. Go out there, listen to it, learn how to take yourself to that next level. Break your addiction with food. Feel amazing. Burn that annoying body fat. Gain weight if you need to gain weight. Because again, we skinny and miserable is not, is not the, the task. If this was a weight loss show, my first episode would have been cut your calories and that would have been it. But it's not a weight loss show. It's a weight management show. Some people need to gain. Some people need to lose. Some people need to work on just managing giving their bodies what they need. So thank you so much, Melissa. And with that wonderful ending, 
let my audience know how they can get in touch with you. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure being here and your questions are so insightful. I enjoyed it so much. Uh, your audience can get to know me better on social media. I love social media and I'm the type of person that's very social on social media. So send me a message, leave me a comment. I want to get to know you. I want to have you a part of the community. I've got such a wonderful community on social media, Instagram, TikTok now, and all of these places you can find me at Melissa Lane Wellness. And yeah, it's just, it's fantastic to just grow with everyone and to just share not only my own journey, but the journey of the people in the community and all of the things that I've learned throughout the years to really help us break out of that whole diet mentality, to find true health in a holistic way. So I look forward to getting to know your amazing listeners. Um, so yeah, Melissa Lane Wellness on all platforms and my website is melissalane.com as well. Perfect. And of course, you know, her contact information will be in the show notes. I think I'm aiming for this one. So I do zikahealth.com slash Melissa L. So our first name, first letter of last name. That's how I do. Um, that's how I basically set up all my show notes. So I'm not very creative. That's all I really got. But it, the show notes will be in the description of the podcast as well. So you can click on it, read a lot more about Melissa, learn more about her work, and also get in touch with her as well. So thank you, Melissa. I know it's late. It's almost almost 11 o'clock over there. So thank you for being, for being here with us and uh, have a good night. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, Always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.